Welcome to Interviews. Being an entrepreneur is the toughest job ever. There are no practical guidelines. So I created this podcast to help crack the entrepreneurship code. Join me every week as I invite entrepreneurs to share their stories, the practical tips and lessons they've learned along the way. Don't be the main bottleneck in your business. Subscribe now. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a marketing and communication agency operating remotely since 2005. Social Prize specializes in digital technologies and communication, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth hacking. Log on their website, socialprize.me. Hi, thank you for listening. Today, I am with Matt Franklin from Portland, USA, the owner of Bottle Rocket Lab, which specializes in marketing, sales, and training videos for high technology and healthcare-related clients. Matt is also a Shark Tank entrepreneur, and we're going to talk about that because he's got a great story to tell, to tell us. Thank you very much, Matt, for being with me today. Hey, Laurent, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Great. So let's start. Tell us a little bit about your journey. How, how did that happen? How did you become an entrepreneur? Okay, well, I, I really was an entrepreneur, I think, by nature when I was a kid. I mean, I did all mm. of the, the standard stuff that you do here in the States as a, as a young kid trying to make money. I mowed lawns. I had a lemonade stand. I washed cars. I sold blackberries door to door in the summer. Um, and then when I reached high school, I sold weed because you could make a lot of money back then. And um, which led to me getting arrested in high school. So full disclosure, I, I am a bad kid. Uh, so now it's, now it's legal in most States around here. So, so that uh, I was just a, a little bit before my time. Um, but then I went into kind of a normal kind of your corporate job situation. I started with an internship with an ad agency and realized that I liked working for the man and uh, worked for about a decade doing different uh, kind of high-tech uh, marketing types of jobs. But then in 2006, uh, it was like it hit me in the face. Uh, it, Google announced they were buying YouTube for $1.65 billion. And when that news came out, it just, I, I thought, wow, this is crazy because at the time, most of us at home didn't have broadband access. So you really, yeah. it was, it was painful to, to try to watch video. I don't know if you remember the, the real player, that little postage stamp size. Yes, yeah. Yes, it yes, it yes. was like, like 320 by 240 or, or even smaller than that up in the corner of your screen and it would take um, ages to download <laughs> exactly yeah and it was it was impossible and it was poorly compressed and uh but i thought well wait a minute if if google is going to spend over a billion dollars which that was real money back then then we're on the cusp of something we're on the verge of a, of a shift video mm -hmm. is going to be a thing so at the time i had been doing some uh video projects for the company i worked for and so i thought you know what I put in my resignation, went to my boss and I said, hey, video on the web is going to be the next big thing and I am going to start a video production company. And that's what I did. That was in 2006. Um, and since then, I have been really enjoying 
doing kind of what I love. I, I didn't really know it at the time. I didn't think I was going to like it. I was just doing it strictly to make a buck. And, um, uh, and that's not how I recommend going into business. If you're just going into it to make a buck, <laughs> chances are you're going to, you're going to fail. And honestly, but, um, but I've found that I enjoy doing it. I've gotten to go all over the world, uh, shooting video and, um, and that was basically my entrepreneurial journey. It, but at the same time, I was not really fully satisfied just doing that. So mm. I started uh, developing products and I've had some inventions that succeeded and I've had some that failed. And one that did succeed was a, a goofy little posture correction device that landed mm -hmm. a buddy of mine and I on uh, Shark Tank in uh, 2012. And okay. um, yeah, so, so that's kind of uh, was a big win for us to get on Shark Tank. We sold a ton of this product. Um, we had no passion for it. Again, this was something, and I, I'm going against my own advice, but this was something we did strictly just to try to make some money. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it worked out for the short term. And, um, but I do recommend if you are a young budding entrepreneur out there, don't just do something for the money. Make sure that you have some kind of passion for it or it's doing, it's somehow feeding your soul because money will not feed your soul. Yeah, because you know, you know what? I've been claiming everywhere that entrepreneurs never do it for the money. <laughs> Sorry, actually, man. Actually, actually, I wrote a blog today about, about that. I think you're the first entrepreneur that I've, that I've interviewed who said, well, I did it for the money. But, however, it's not the right thing to do. Yeah. Why? Why? Why is that? It's not why. Well, there's there's a lot of reasons, but for me, the reason is because there's no follow through. Okay, with my video production, I I grew to love it like right away. It it mm. became a passion. There were nights when I would literally work all night to meet a deadline and it was cool stuff. And, and there's cool, there's just lots of elements that, that I didn't realize that I was going to like that I love. So that took care of itself. And that was kind of an accidental deal, but the other products that I've invented and the other businesses that I've started, I did just for the money, but by doing that, I didn't have any follow through. So as soon as I got to the whole product level, I stopped and started on the next thing. And so I've got literally a storage unit with a whole bunch of products that I've invented that went to manufacture and that came back and that are ready to sell that are sitting there just, just gathering dust. And wow. that is the direct result of not having any passion for the projects and doing it just because I thought they could make a buck. Wow. So that is that what happened on the, with the Shark Tank? No, okay. that 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 because of the fact that that Shark Tank um, kind of launched it, that it, it continues on in perpetuity. Mm. But but I but yes, technically, it's not like they're sitting in the in the in the garage like my other other products are. But I definitely don't put any time into the Shark Tank product anymore. Neither does my business partner. It's just kind of on autopilot and just kind of doing its thing. But we don't, you know, like the SEO, the stuff that you, the day-to-day -day stuff that you have to do to keep it going, nobody's really doing. You go, to, you go on Shark Tank. They said, yes, we're going to invest in your company. 
And now, right. and now, and now, what? <laughs> they still are they still involved? Or well, you not involved? well, here's a here's a little uh, insider secret for what uh, what happens on Shark Tank versus what happens after Shark Tank. For the majority of the deals that you see made on television, mm-hmm. they don't come through. Right because for a number of reasons, but uh, I've talked to tons of people who are on the show and it's like, yeah, it didn't work out for this reason. It didn't work out for that. You know, sometimes it, it goes into negotiation and it gets, you know, really heated and they just can't come to terms. Other times there's just like literally no follow-up like, well, you know, we tried to, you know, get a meeting and they just ghosted us. Uh, so there's a, there's a hundred different reasons why it might not work out, but the unfortunate reality of this form of reality TV mm. is that the majority don't come to fruition. When we, when we talked, when we were preparing this episode, you, you told me something, I don't know if you remember, but you said what I did, it's like turning around right before the finish line and, you know, going yep. the, on the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the way most of the, the businesses have been is that, yeah, as soon as, and, and if, if, you, if you were to take a company as a hundred yard dash, once you reach full product, you know, once you have whole product ready to sell, that's when you should really start your, your sprint, you know, yes. really start to, to bear down because now you have something to sell. And like mm-hmm. Zig Ziglar says, until, until something is sold, nothing happens. And right when we get the product uh, for, the, for, the, for these other businesses, I turn around and go the other direction looking for a new product or starting to develop a new product. And, <laughs> and, and it's true. And it's embarrassing because, you know, like, like this one product that I have was a golf product and, and we, we worked on it for years. This, this dude and I, we, I mean, we would meet every Thursday night, we would have homework and we would go back and we would do our work and we'd come back and we created a full on product that worked and we even tested it with people and it, it helped people's golf game and people will pay a lot of money to improve their golf game. And that, mm. but once we got the product in stock, ready to sell, both of us went on to their next product and uh, we turned around at that 90 yard line. <laughs> this, this is crazy. It's like, like the total opposite of what an entrepreneur is supposed to do. Although to- totally. Although you didn't do that for your business with the video. Right. Right. Yeah. Because that's, uh, and again, it's because I get something out of it. I get, I get, uh, you know, uh, the, the technical end juices me, you know, the new cameras that come out pretty much every year are interesting. And, you know, it, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating industry and, in the process, I meet really interesting people mm-hmm. and I do lots of crazy stuff. So, and every day is different. So it just, it, it keeps me engaged and uh, yeah, but the other businesses, uh, I have kind of let them <laughs> kind of die on the vine, unfortunately. Right. And do you have any regrets? Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, because I regret for each of these, it's like having a child and not raising him, you know, like giving up on him when he's 13 years old. Uh, I, I really wish that I would have followed through with these other products because they were viable. And I, I did a Kickstarter for one product and it, 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 it funded, we sent out hundreds and hundreds, like boxes, truckloads of these, of these, they were these phone holders and, 
as soon as we got done fulfilling that first batch from Kickstarter, we did the same thing. We just let it go and went on to the next thing. So yeah, I do. I do regret that. And so that's why I tell people, you know, a don't do it just for the money, but B be prepared to sell. And so many people are like me. They don't like the idea of selling. They don't like the process of selling. They don't like the leaving the comfort zone and asking people to try something or to buy something. And you, 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 if, in general, if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to be able to sell. Mm. Indeed. Yes, yeah. completely. But again, you've been doing it with your video uh, company. You've been able to sell. <laughs> well, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, uh, unfortunately for the... Uh, using this as an example for budding entrepreneurs, all of my business comes from referrals. Mm. So, so I haven't had to sell. So like, in fact, for the first 10 years of my business, I didn't even have a website. So it's like, you know, you're doing video for the web and you don't have a website. What's wrong with you? And um, so, so yeah, I, I've been very fortunate in the video production stuff that I haven't really had to go out and knock on doors because I've had great clients who have introduced me to other clients and, and on and on. And to conclude with that, because it's really interesting that the first time I, I'm talking to someone like you, <laughs> why you didn't hire a salesperson mm. to do the job for you? Um, that's a great question. Uh, I don't, I can't, I don't have an answer for that. I think, I think the problem is, is sheer, it's either laziness or just having such a short attention span that once, once I stopped at that 90 yard line yeah. and turned and started working on the other thing, the previous products were just out of sight, out of mind. And so it, it just like, it was on and then off kind of like, yeah. You know, when you're, when you're in high school and you really love uh, someone and you're, you're, you have the puppy love, as we call it, and then all of a sudden one day you're like, oh, I don't like her anymore, and you're on to the next thing. It's yeah. kind of like that. And so, so yeah, we, we never really hired anyone, and we never really even talked about doing that. And we should have. I mean, because, because again, we'd spent all that time working to get to the point where we had whole product. And uh, so that's, uh, that's kind of embarrassing, actually. <laughs> But at least you talk about it uh, freely. You're very aware sure. of what happened. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I have no. I, I I do kind of regret those those failures, but I do fully acknowledge that those failures are on me and that that's mm -hmm. my fault. And it wasn't like. And I'm glad that it wasn't like, you know, uh, the container ships were coming over and then they sat, you know, COVID made them sit in the port for six months. And, you know, I'm glad it wasn't an outside circumstance that I have to blame for my failures in business. It's all in here. It's all, you know, my fault that yeah. I got as far as I did and then stopped. And how has um, entrepreneurship impacted you personally? What, what have you learned about yourself? Well, I mean, the, the first thing I've learned is I've learned that there is a whole, a big part of entrepreneurship that I don't do well. And mm. like we've been talking about, I, there's this whole compartment that I just, I, I don't have. And so I really don't consider myself 
a, a great entrepreneur or even a successful entrepreneur, I have been successful at avoiding having to have a job. <laughs> and, you know, and because I, the idea of, and I've, I've really, I have, there's been slow, slow times for my business when I thought, you know, I need to go back and just get a job because it was great getting a paycheck every other Friday. I mean, mm. what, what a concept it's been so long since I've had regular income mm. and I've thought about going back to get a job. And I just, and the thought just makes me sick to my stomach. And so that's another thing that I found out about myself is that now that I'm in, I can't go back. And I will do, I mean, and I've tried side hustles and I'm, I, I would rather be an Uber driver. I've tried yeah. that. I would rather sell stuff on Amazon and eBay. I've done that. Um, there's, there's a thousand things I'd rather do than actually have to answer to a boss and show up in an office every, every morning at eight 30. Yeah. So you, you say there are parts of entrepreneurship that you, you stuck at. But I'm pretty sure there are other parts you're very good at. What are what are those? Well, I I I am I believe good at taking a product from zero to completion, mm. and and I learned that just by by doing it. I, nobody taught me. I didn't go through you know through the invention schools when you're you know I don't know if you see those on LinkedIn. There's like Invent Right where you you know if you have an idea for a product you know we'll teach you how to how to get it patented and stuff. Yeah. Uh, nobody nobody showed me how to do it. I just kind of jumped in, and um, so I I I think I am a pretty okay product developer. And when people come to me for advice, which it's amazing how many people after you're on Shark Tank come to you and ask you for counsel. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's amazing. But, and then there's also a whole bunch of haters too that, that come and tell you what a jerk you are. <laughs> but, um, and uh, thanks everyone for the old hate. But, uh, but yeah, so when people come and ask for my advice for, from a product development point of view i'm more than happy and i feel like i'm competent to give that counsel yeah. for sure today uh you went into something new you launched a podcast also i did uh, yes and it's called rogue retirement launch where you talk about retirement for entrepreneurs why such a topic well after we were on shark tank um we had a lot of money come in and mm. it's, it's a, it's a very strange situation when you're, when you're an entrepreneur and you develop a product and it's just kind of trickling in money and it's, it's not really a thing. And then all of a sudden Monday morning, you've got a hundred thousand dollars in the bank. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a very strange thing to have a windfall of money like you've never had before. Yeah. And what I did is I spent it. I went to I, the first, I think five, first six years after Shark Tank, I went to Europe every year. Um, there were five of those years and I'd go to, you know, the first time it's like, let's go to France. Let's go to England. Let's go to, oh, let's go to Belgium. I like beer, you know, and just dumb trips and it's expensive. And yeah. I was just throwing away money on travel and other stupid stuff. And I realized after about five years of this, that, wait a minute, if I would have saved all that money that I just blew through, you know, cause sales had, you know, petered off. Yeah. If I would have been saving that money, I would be 
in a position where I could retire at a normal retirement age, say 65 or 62 or something. But I was looking at, you know, those retirement calculators where you put in how much money you have and, and how much you, you need. And it's like, I'm, I'm dead. I'm doomed. I I've got to fix this. So Mm. I started becoming obsessed with investing. I started becoming obsessed with real estate investing. I, I won't get into like all of the minutia of, of what I got involved with as far as my investment strategy, but I did change it completely and reached a point where now I don't have to save anymore. Um, and I don't have to, and which takes so much pressure off me from a day-to-day basis. All I have to do now is just make, make a living. Um, and I'm fine because all my investments now, as soon as I reach age 59 and a half, which is six years and 10 months and a couple of days from now, I will be able to retire. Um, and so when I made this realization, which was last year, last summer in 2020, I was like, wait a minute. Okay. Now that I don't have to work very hard and I'm coasting. Well, I was still doing all that research. I was still obsessed with the retirement planning. I, Mm -hmm. you know, every time, you know, I'd be reading about Bitcoin, I'd be reading about real estate, even though I'm, I, everything's taken care of. So I, the, the realization was, Hey, I'm obsessed with this stuff. I gotta, I gotta have an outlet for it. And so I thought, well, why don't I just do a podcast? And and that this way I can talk about it. You know, all my friends are self-employed and when we would have happy hour, I'd start hammering them about their retirement strategy and, Mm. and they, and it was (laughs) kind of invasive, like, Hey dude, you know, how much, where are you at? How old are you going to be when you retire? And they don't, people did not want to talk about it. So this having a podcast gives me an outlet where I can freely talk about all the stuff that I'm learning. I can interview people who are good investors in, in random, maybe alternative investing spaces and I've now got kind of a little platform so that I can uh, just basically share my knowledge about uh, investing and uh, real uh, uh, retirement planning. Right. It's interesting because when you think about entrepreneurs, I mean, they are so much into their business that they yes. don't even think about the end. They don't even think about retirement. Yeah. I yeah. start thinking about it because I am I'm 45. Okay, good. And so uh, also being in Europe, you know, I have access to, uh, I, can, I can put some money on the side and I will get maybe a little bit of uh, pension from, from the government, but I, okay. pay, I pay for it. I pay for it every, every, every month. Right. But if you're not into a, a, such a situation, if you're an entrepreneur, especially a young entrepreneur, I mean, retirement is so far away. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what would, what would you advise to entrepreneurs out there? Well, first thing you're right. Entrepreneurs are terrible about planning for their old age. We get mm. so we get so focused on today. We get so focused on that business, and also we have we, we, entrepreneurs are dreamers, and there's no two ways about it. We are dreamers, and we live way out on the risk curve. We're willing to take risks, and by taking risks, we're risking our future on our today. And a lot of people believe that their business is going to fund their retirement or that their business is going to make so much money that they'll be able to start later or that their business is going to do so well that they can sell it 
at mm. some point, and that will be their retirement. But the statistics don't back any of those any of those outcomes. The statistics are really unfortunately against you if you're an entrepreneur. And so therefore, I tell people when you start your business, you need to start two businesses. You start one, you know, you're the business that you're starting, but two is the business of your retirement. And, right. and it's the, the easiest time to start your retirement plan is when you start your business. Because if you wait, okay, well, I'm going to wait till I'm six months into it. Unfortunately, uh, people do that, or they'll say, I'm going to wait till I'm a year into it, and then I'll get with my accountant and we'll figure something out. But, but when you're starting a business, you get busier over time. You don't mm -hmm. get less busy. And <laughs> I have yet to meet a, an entrepreneur where it's like, so... Are, is, are things getting more busy or less busy? And it's always more. And the more successful your business becomes, the more busy you become. And so therefore, I, I, the, that's the first thing is start right away and start getting used to the idea of paying yourself first, meaning that if you're going to pull you know, $1,000 out of your business to pay for your living expenses, mm -hmm. then take the first hundred of that and put it in, you know, put it away somewhere where you can't touch it. Basic, but basic, basic. Yes. Yeah, that's I mean, that's there's no earth shattering thing there. But but so many entrepreneurs will say, well, you know, I just started. I can't do that. Hmm. And then if that's the case, if you can't afford to take that 10 percent out and pay yourself first, then you need to have a side hustle. And that's I'm sorry you have to have a side hustle. So that, that's why you need to spend Saturday night, go drive Uber and, you know, and make 500 bucks a month and take that 500 and put it away. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I, I, this is, these are big simplifications and, and, but it really is simple. You have to be able to pay yourself first. Man, I have the impression to hear my father talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, well, I, I hate to say it, but that's that is the voice of my dad. And I didn't listen to that voice from the age of 16 when he started saying that up until the age of about, uh, I would say, about 38. And yeah. in, in the peak years when I could have been taking advantage of compounding, uh, I was not listening to my dad's or your dad's voice. Do you have any other recommendations? Well, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a ton of things you can do, but I mean, really the first thing is getting started. Also, if you're, if you're in the States, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, I've got a little bit of debt. I, I need to pay my debts and all the gurus will say, oh, okay, well, you know, you may be paying 12% on your credit card. So, you know, pay off your debts first before you do any investing. And what I say is, well, let's pretend that you have a 25% tax rate and say you live in a state like I do, where you pay say 8% in state income tax. So you've essentially got, let's say around a 33% tax rate. Well, if you put $5,000 into an IRA at the end of the year, you are going to save yourself, you know, over $2,000 in taxes or around to let's say around $2,000 in taxes by putting that money away. So if you pay yourself, you're going to save yourself on taxes. So it's, you're making a better return by putting that money into an IRA than you are in paying off your credit card. So 
a lot of people would disagree with that advice and say, mm -hmm. oh, dude, that's stupid. You got to pay off your credit card. Well, I can tell you that I carried business credit card debt for the entire time I was funding my IRAs. And again, that's not the best advice in the world, but it's a better payoff for you in the long run if you have the ability to put money to an IRA because you're going to save a lot in taxes that year. Yeah. As opposed I, to just just putting money in paying the government that $2000 and then paying down your debt with the rest. And I think you you mentioned something uh, really important it's long term. Mm -hmm. like retirement is long term and this but the sooner you start the better. Absolutely. And if you have a uh, there is a an app uh, for phones that you can get called Compound E. It's C O M P O U N D E E. And you can, it's just a, a compound interest calculator for your phone. And I sit there and play with that all the time. And once you get a real firm feeling for how compounding works, then you're going to want to start yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so I, I recommend that, that people read, A, read The Compound Effect, the book by Darren Hardy, which is fantastic, um, but also get a compound interest calculator and look at what, okay, if I put that five grand into an IRA and I make 9% interest for the next 30 years, what's that going to end up being? And um, look at future value of money and it will shift your perspective. Let's go back to you, to bit, and uh, you, you as the entrepreneur, but also you, the, the human being. What, what are you the, the most proud of? Um, you know, really, I, I am the most proud of the fact that I was able to get on to the shark tank with a, <laughs> with a goofy product. And even though, even though it may not have gone great and we may have looked like idiots on TV, um, the amount of work that we put in a, to create the product, to go from having never created any, any new invention to having a, a successful product. And then B all the work. It took us two years to get on the show it, we, we had to make videos. We had to go audition. We had countless calls with producers. Um, we put in an amazing amount of work. And so to, to be able to actually go there to the, to the studio lot and actually be on TV and meet the sharks, it was, it was a huge thing. And it definitely was a, uh, was a life changer. Yeah, I bet. And what's the, the legacy you want to leave behind you? You know, I don't have kids. Mm. I am, I'm, and I, so I really, I don't think in terms of legacy, what I would like would be for people to remember me as somebody who didn't take it too seriously and who didn't get so wrapped up in things and so wrapped up in business and so wrapped up in, in making money that I forgot about being nice to other humans. And mm. I, I, right today, today things are so messed up with just with people's ability to be mean to each other. We have created a society where we've, we've, we've essentially created all these mechanisms to communicate, but we're using them to be cruel. And my legacy, I hope would be that I never hurt anyone. If you take all the experience that you have acquired as an entrepreneur, what is the one recommendation you would give to other entrepreneurs or aspir aspiring entrepreneurs? 
well, the, the one thing would be, don't wait, don't wait, mm. don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. You have everything at your fingertips. You, we live in an age of miracles. I mean, we all have a laptop that connects us to all the, the collected information of mankind. So if you're like waiting to get a degree or you're waiting to get to find someone who knows how to do this or waiting for a mentor or waiting for um, if, if, if you feel like there's something in your way, there's really nothing in your way, but you. And so Mm -hmm. when I tell an entrepreneur who's like, you know, and again, people reach out all the time and ask me questions, you know, Hey, how did you do this? How do you do that? Um, Where do I start? And I, my answer is just start, you know, the answers are out there. So I've, I've talked to people who have had an idea for 10 years and they just haven't acted on it yet. Yeah. And so that would be my one piece of advice. Everything you need is out there. So just start. I concur. (laughs) (laughs) My, my show is called interviews, cracking the entrepreneurship code. So have you cracked the code? I have cracked it. Um, in spirit, but not in, uh, in practice. <laughs> and really the, 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 to me, cracking the code means that you have to build a business and then you have to sell. Mm-hmm. And I, I have cracked half of it. And right. if you want to be successful, everybody, you need to crack the entire code. Okay. Very nice. <laughs> Last question. How can yes, people sir. contact you? Um, you can find me at rogue, R-O-G-U-E, retirementlounge.com. That's my uh, podcast website. And, um, or if you want to look for me on your, whatever your preferred podcast player, once again, it's Rogue Retirement Lounge. Excellent. Thank you very much uh, for your time. It was a uh, very fun conversation. <laughs> thank you, Laurent. <laughs> I, I, hope, I appreciate you having me on. And thank you all for listening. Before you leave, two things you can do if you like my podcast. One, subscribe and two, log on my website and get my ebook, Five Cracks to Do Entrepreneurship the Right Way. See you next time. Bye-bye.